I love, um, I also love watching the videos of, of babies and little kids um, or even adults who are getting a hearing aid or glasses for the first time, but especially the little ones. Um, there is nothing that will stop me in my tracks and captivate me. Um, their little eyes that light up when they're able to see a parent or, or hear a parent for the first time. My favorite, for some reason, is um, there's one where there's a little baby who hears for the first time. And at first, he smiles really, really big. And then he gets overwhelmed with all these new emotions. And, and he sticks out his little lower lip like babies are really good at doing um, and begins to, to, like, cry because he's so overwhelmed with what he's um, with what he's hearing a tiny infant overwhelmed with emotion there's something overwhelming about seeing all of the pieces come together getting the help that you need to be able to do something that you would have never thought possible or in the case of little ones that they never even thought existed these little ones didn't realize how much they weren't hearing or seeing um, until they got the help that they needed to be able to see and to hear more clearly. I was watching one such video this week and they put glasses on a young girl around two or three years old. And she was just amazed looking around. Her parents asked her, what do you see? And in awe, she said, I see everything. There's a little story that my mother has told me about an interaction she had with Caleb, and I did not get to confirm this with Caleb, so I don't know how true this is, but this is this is Grammy's version of how the story went down. Uh, my mother is blind in one eye. She has been blind since birth in that eye. Um, in recent years, she's gotten better about asking for what she needs and not just feeling like she has to overcompensate for that. I know which of her sides to walk on so she can see and she doesn't have to worry about her literal blind side. Um, she'll tell us what side of the theater to sit on um, so that she can better see a movie. Um, she tells the choir director at church finally what side she needs to be sitting on in the choir loft to see her directing. I think I've shared this story before, but it's just too perfect with this scripture to not share it again. A few years ago, um, Caleb uh, wanted her to play basketball with him outside. Um, and she said she could, but she wasn't very good and that she'd never played when she was younger. Um, you know, Caroline and Caleb, they're creative, active kids that play all the time. And so uh, he asked her, why didn't she grow up playing sports? Um, she felt like he, who was then at the time nine, um, and my niece, who was 11, was old enough to know. And so she said, well, I was born blind in one eye and I've never had sight there. And my parents were very overprotective. They tried to treat her as normal as possible and did incredibly well for parents in the 50s with a child that was blind in one eye. But, but when it came to anything where she might injure her other eye, the only eye that she could see out of, they were very cautious. They both, in Grammy's version of the story, took the information and didn't say much or ask too many questions. Later, though, my mom says that she looked over and Caleb, um, who is incredibly empathetic, um, was trying to shoot the basketball with one eye closed. 
When mom asked him what he was doing, he said, I was just trying to see things like you do, Grammy. Try that for a minute. Try just closing one eye. Look around, look down at your Bible. Now, imagine functioning in a world like that, overcompensating, trying to walk without bumping into people, driving a car that stays in the lane, watching the television. This image that we're given in 2 Corinthians is just pure brilliance. We talked a few weeks ago about the structure of the society in Corinth. Um, It was very hierarchical with more importance given to those at the top of the hierarchical structure um, than those at the bottom. And everyone was vying for a better place. New opportunities could be found in Corinth, in the town that they were in, um, and they were working for those. They began to see this new church movement as a place where new opportunities could also be found. And they began vying for power and position there as well. And so Paul is helping them to see how they work together. I don't know what's up with my internet this morning. I'm sorry. It keeps telling me it's unstable. Um, and so Paul is helping them to see how they work together by comparing them to a body. Paul brilliantly says that we are just like the body of a person. Each part works independently, yet it's still connected to the other parts. It's a brilliant image, but the picture it gives of community is so perfect. My nose helps my tongue to taste, but they work separately from each other. My nerves process what I'm feeling so I don't keep my hands on something too hot while it burns. My brain tells my legs to move without me even having to think about it, but without the muscles in my legs, I would go nowhere. My eyes see things very differently, but the images they produce together give me a whole perspective on the world. As we think about who we are as a church and just what church is as a part of this sermon series, I think there's some takeaways for us in this image today. The body of Christ is where we are made whole. It's where we're made complete. It's not where our small puzzle piece, or it is where our small puzzle piece gets put into that larger puzzle and we can settle in. Not out of complacency, but because it's the place where we make sense. Again, every part is essential. I don't make complete sense without you, and you don't make complete sense without me. We bring what we have, and we offer it up for use. Part of finding the right church and being the right church together is seeing how your gifts fit. It is about seeing how God is calling you to use those gifts and whether that's possible in this church body, even as we are physically distant from each other. When you injure one part of your body, the other parts step up to compensate. As as one part gets weaker, the other parts grow stronger or, or step up to help. Sometimes that stepping up can lead to overcompensating an injury, exhaustion from the other parts of the body that has to take over. I think this season is a gift where we can re-evaluate our body. 
I don't mean our physical body. I mean, you can do that too. But I think the gift I'm talking about is reevaluating our church body. It's a season of resetting. As Mosaic family, we had slipped into roles that we played together. We all had our responsibilities or, or lack of responsibilities for certain things. And we get to regroup. What is it we're missing from being together? What are the gifts that we bring to the table? I also think it's a time to, to think about whether you're using your puzzle piece fully. Are you really leaning in and helping our church to make sense together as we live out the body of Christ in our community? We move from what we need to what we have when we take on this mindset. Every part is essential. When I joined my church in Richmond, my pastor Sterling, who you all saw preach um, a few weeks ago, said as part of the joining of the church when I joined that, that I needed to be invested. I could not just sit on the sidelines because I needed my brothers and sisters in Christ and they needed me. Part of becoming part of this congregation was to give financially for its support, find a place to serve and lead sacrificially, and to be part of studying and learning with others. Only then would I really be a part of this church family and would really be committing to the others as I was saying I wanted to do. I could not stay on the sidelines popping in and out whenever it was convenient and whenever I really wanted to be part of the body. I loved this conversation and I hated it all at the same time. I, I like sitting on the sidelines and choosing when and where I get involved. I was working in ministry leadership in other places. I was in full-time ministry along with being a member of this church and Sometimes in my past, that had always served as a good excuse for things I didn't want to do in the church um, and, and a good excuse for not taking the church maybe my full participation as seriously as I should have. But Sterling is right. I, I don't think enough of us take being part of a church seriously enough. We don't like to be committed, and so it makes us uncomfortable when someone talks about being committed to the church, to this body, to this family. We have enough other things that we're committed to. But what if we leaned in and we're really committed here in a way that made the other things, the other commitments that we have, make sense? We have a saying in church leadership that it's really based on statistics that says about 90% of the work done in a church is done by about 10% of the people. And about 90% of the financial support of a church comes from around 10% of the people. Now, I, those percentages would not work in Mosaic, but I do believe, and I'm not saying this is fully true for us, but I do believe that if Mosaic is to thrive, it takes all of us giving of our gifts, our offerings, and our time. When we want to give and work together, there's, there's a mindset shift from what we need to what we have. So often we focus on what we need rather than what we already have when we think about what we can offer the church and what we offer those that are part of the church. 
But if we start looking around at what we have and sharing from that place, rather than focusing on what's missing, we learn how to make it work. We learn how to sacrifice together because we're all giving, we are all benefiting. This church community decided to covenant with one another last fall. And we're still planning on coming together again to re-covenant with each other after a, a season of transition and some folks drifting away, we made promises to each other, which is really what church should be about. Promises to one another as a community. Not just membership because we voted you in, but promises and covenant together, which the voting people in has never been a part of Mosaic's tradition. I hear many of my colleagues lament, uh, ministry colleagues lament, that this is a time in their church families where people are simply drifting away because it's easy. There's not the same level of accountability, and so folks aren't showing up. That would be easy to do during this time. But if this is our church body, we are committed to coming together to use our gifts, our resources. Each one of us matters. Whether we're showing up and using our gifts in the way that we normally would, or whether we're trying some new gifts and finding new ways to support each other. Peter Wollenbins, I'm sure I'm saying his last name wrong, but Wollenbins' book, The Hidden Life of Trees, says that trees have social networks. Their roots are connected to one another, and they support one another through sickness and health. Beneath each tree is a larger root system that over time grows bigger than we could imagine. And when they're near or even semi-near other trees, like we see in a forest, they connect to one another by these roots and, and even have a way of speaking and signaling each other. I love biology. He says their well-being depends on their community. And when the supposedly feeble trees disappear, the others lose as well. Trees show us how to be community. They show us how to care for one another in ways that no one ever sees. This is the kind of caring and loving and supporting that we do for each other right now. As Paul says, we honor the weakest parts of our body. As a community, we, we need to be reaching out to each other, focusing on what we do have and, and not just on what we don't have. We are all struggling in our own ways right now. And while we can't fully begin to understand each other's struggles, we can connect and support each other. As Mosaic, we have always been good about community, or at least knowing how to have fun together. We are a fun group when we come together. Last fall, when we were able to gather and get really strategic about who we are and, and why we're here as a church, were really special moments. If you weren't a part of those, we reconvened every week. Uh, we convened every week to get really clear looking at our mission and our vision, really saying who Mosaic is and who we want to be to each other and to our community. And we created this, this beautiful picture of community with kids, babies, teens, adults, everybody all together giving voice to who we wanted to be as a church family together. 
Now we're being tested as to just how strong of a community we are. Do we stay connected when it's not easy? Are we committed to finding ways to use our gifts even when everything looks different? Are we checking in on each other? Are we generous with our financial gifts to support the work of the church even still? This is where we test the strength of our roots. This is where we test how much of a body we really are. My challenge for us this week is for us to each think about the parts that we have played in this body, to think about the parts that we feel called to play right now and the part we want to play in the future of the church. The body of Christ as seen in the local church family is unique in our world. May we find ways to be a body together and be ready when we come back together in the future to be the body of Christ in our community. Will you pray with me?